It's good to be here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this morning from Ephesians chapter 2. You can flip there in your Bible if you have a Bible with you. Um, if you don't, then you may be able to rustle one up there around you somewhere, but uh, look on with your neighbor. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 11 through 22 this morning. Okay, so you can follow along as I read. I read from the ES English Standard Version. It might sound a little different if you have a different version, but God's Word is God's Word. So let's listen in together, shall we? The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to to those who were near. For through Him, we both have access to one Spirit, uh, access access in one Spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Awesome stuff. Would you pray with me just a minute while we get going? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this timeless truth that invests in these lives that we live day after day after day. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the gift of salvation that you bring to us, that is revealed to us at the cross, shown to us in Scripture. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for the indwelling presence that we have always because of what the Lord Jesus has done. And I want to pray now. God, I just want to pray. I want to ask you, Father, that you would have favor on us this morning. I pray that by your Spirit you would, you, would, uh, you would share with us these principles and these truths. And I pray that it would be far less of me and far more of you this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, can I, bring, I might bring this up just a little bit. Is that cool? I'm kind of tall. Do you notice that? Maybe you didn't even notice. Is that? Can I, that might work. 
It's a little better. Good. Five foot seventeen. Can you tell I've been asked that before? I got my little quips. Hey, listen, I got a confession to make to you this morning. I don't know. Some of you guys may relate to this. I'm a forgetful person. I forget things from time to time. Um, I didn't. I, I wasn't always this way. Never used to be this forgetful. But but it's almost as though. Um, to, oh, yeah. I think actually I just went as high as it'll go. Look at that thing. So it's just kind of, it's just sitting. It's just sitting on top of the screw. I know. I started screwing. I'm like, this thing just keeps screwing and screwing and screwing. So, anyways. Um, all that said, I'm a forgetful person. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I forget things. It's like a, the further I get from a memory, the, the, the more faded it seems to get. And, and maybe you can relate to that. And maybe you can't. Um, until, oftentimes, it's jolted back into memory. And so couple of examples for you. For instance, when my cell phone drops a really important call, I get really frustrated with this. And I pace back and forth. And I'm looking, you know, I'm kind of holding the phone. I'm looking for better service. And all the while, I'm forgetting what it was like to be a kid growing up in a house with one landline phone. And even that one, we shared it with the neighbor. Okay, party line, right? Some of y'all get that. Or... When our inter- internet connection at home slows down, I get, uh, I get really annoyed. I give up on waiting. I click offline. I make sure the mouse knows that I'm, that I'm frustrated. <laughs> but all the while, I'm forgetting what it was like to have to, you know, read a newspaper or, or, or carry encyclopedias back and forth from school um, or, or learn the whole... Um, system of, of decimals and deweys and, and, and card catalogs and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? The whatever that was with all the numbers and stuff? <laughs> or, when the joy of my salvation fades from getting along just fine on my own, and I tend to become confused and anxious like I've been abandoned or something like this, and I, and I look for something I can do to get that joy back, and all the while I'm forgetting what it was like to be hopeless and godless in the world. I forget about that. And and I forget about what it was like to be rescued, not on my own power, but on God's power alone. So I'm forgetful. I'm forgetful. And maybe you're forgetful as well. It's, it's, It's easy, perhaps, for many of us who've been loved by God and have received His gracious gift of salvation unto living this whole new life in Christ to forget that at one time we were dead. That we were choosing the ways of this world. And and the problem with that is is this. In, In forgetting, what sometimes we do is we wander away from the cross of Jesus Christ where unity and peace are these realities lived in community. And the Apostle Paul says to us in verse 11 of our text this morning, he says, Therefore, remember. Remember. It's, it's the only command that Paul gives us in chapters 1 through 3 of this little letter to the Ephesians. He says, Remember who you used to be. Remember that you used to be derided for not having this 
fleshly symbol of godly separation like what the Jews had. Remember that you used to be far off. You used to be on the outside looking in at a people that were waiting for their Messiah, Redeemer, King. Paul says, remember that you used to be alienated from any sort of family identity or lineage. Remember that you used to be strangers to the covenants that God had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember that you used to be hopeless and godless in the world, dead in your sin, hostile toward God and others, and conflicted with this chaotic soul. Remember that. But now, okay? See that in the the text there, if you can peek at that, verse 13, I would say underline it, at least put your finger on it. Paul says, but now, remember all that stuff, but now you ought to, um, uh, sorry, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of So here, the outset of our text, Paul is indicating that we do really well to remember who we once were before Christ. Far off from Christ. Because it puts our present proximity to Christ in perspective. And we don't want to miss that perspective. We need to keep that perspective. Um, There's something about it, there's something about looking back that allows us to see how far God has really brought us, okay? Then, back there, Christian, you you were far off from the cross, you were an enemy, You you were buried, we all were buried under this weight of isolation and discord, but now, and we'll see this in a minute, unity and peace are realities of a life that's lived in community near the cross of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to say that again because it's kind of wordy and we're going to spend the rest of our our time unpacking it. Unity and peace are realities of a life lived in community near the cross of Jesus Christ. And, And because it's wordy, maybe we could sum it up simply by saying proximity matters. Proximity matters. The distance that that we maintain with the cross of Jesus Christ is the critical factor in our experience and our witness of unity and peace as a community of faith. So, you can look back at the text with me. I'm going to reread a couple of verses because I want us to catch uh, unity and peace in these verses. So so as I read through this, I'm going to start in verse 13 and I'm going to read down through 18 and and listen for words of unity. Listen for words of peace as I go through these. Okay? But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace 
to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Did, did you hear some unity and some peace in those passages? Yeah? Okay. If, if you didn't, I can read it again. It's, it's there, right? In Paul's world, uh, let's understand this a little bit. In Paul's world, there were two types of people. Those who were Jews and those who were Gentiles. Okay? The, the Jews were the ones who were near, okay, in the text. They were the people of God and everyone knew it. The Gentiles were the ones who were far off, which was everyone else. Okay? The Jews were a people of great privilege, okay, because they were a people that God determined to be his very own possession. They clung to, to Moses' declaration, Deuteronomy 14.2, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. That was, was, a, was a significant declaration to the Jews. Okay? It's a statement of them being set apart. The Jews um, were the immediate beneficiaries of this whole string of God-initiated covenants. <clears throat> it's a good thing you got me this water, Raul. They, these Jews, they would be a great nation among the Gentiles, greatly blessed. They would be set apart from the Gentiles by commandments and ordinances. Okay? They would prosper as the sovereign kingdom with this Messiah, Redeemer, King as theirs forever. Now you can imagine you know, any culture boasting about these kind of divine promises with your neighbors how special you are and how set apart you are, okay? You have, you, you have, um, you have a God and, and, and you've been set apart. This might generate some animosity with your neighbors. It might, okay? And this is what we see in this early world. Contempt for one another was mutual. Hostility was continual. But... The, Jew, the Jews, they, they held on to this hope in their, in their coming Messiah, Redeemer, King. They took comfort in some of the very same verses that we love. Listen to these. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We can almost quote this one, right? Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Okay? Another one, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, and he shall speak peace to the nations. Okay? These verses, we love these verses from the birth narrative of, excuse me, the birth narrative of Jesus. We love these verses from, from, from the Easter narrative, okay? Um, the Jews loved these as well. These were, these were deeply meaningful. They looked forward to this time, okay? And, and you can hear why. Like their, 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 their Redeemer, Messiah, King was on its way. They, they were, this was huge anticipation for them, all right? Um, so we can hear... Um, echoes from our text in some of these verses. Paul, Paul himself had caught on 
to the profound truth that these promises of this Messiah, Redeemer, King, who would bring peace and unity, okay, um, these, these transcend, Paul, Paul caught that these verses, they transcend just the Jewish community. All right? These would extend to the people as far as the ends of the earth. You remember in John chapter 10, Remember when Jesus is speaking there as the good shepherd? Okay? It's a great text. And, and, and buried in the context there in verse 16, Jesus says that he has this whole other flock, this whole other group of, of sheep that are not of the fold of Israel that he must bring in, okay? Who will listen to his voice. And, and it says that the two, the two will become one flock with one shepherd, okay? Jesus had this in view. Paul catches this vision. As the book of Acts unfolds and Jesus' apostles, they start to uh, preach this gospel of peace, gave the good news of Jesus Christ himself in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Remember that in the book of Acts? People began to respond. Gentiles, Jews by the thousands. Okay? Those who were far off and those who were near were coming to the cross, believing in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, Redeemer, and King. It was, it, it was amazing. It's amazing to read through the Acts of the Apostles there. But, but what remained, and this is where it kind of touches into this first, what remained was this long history of cultural differences and divides. Okay? The Jewish believers, they... They're the one, in the in brand new early church, the Jewish believers were the ones that held the line on just how far Gentile believers could go and worship, okay? Because of the very differences that Paul mentions in this text. And what grew up in Christ's very, very young church were these barriers that created hostility between believers, and the unity and the peace that were supposed to be realities of this brand new called out community were anything but realities. And they're trying to figure this out. And at this point, you guys, I, I come to this, and at this point I'm struck, as, as maybe you are, I don't know, maybe you're not, by how, by how far, maybe, We've come in the church today. I think if we're honest with ourselves, if, if, we, if we lay ourselves open a little bit, if we're honest with ourselves, that the barriers that exist in the first century church, they still exist today in the church. We, and, 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 I, and I'm, and I'm going to speak generally about, about the, church, the universal church, right? But not so generally that, that it doesn't include these local churches here in the upper left corner of Washington State, okay? We still worship on uneven ground. A quick Google search, it allows us to kind of survey the Christian landscape sometimes. And, and it doesn't take long till you begin to notice the dividing walls in the church in regions of nearly every continent on earth, okay? Think about this, such as race, ethnicity, nationality, gender. We can look around our county, 
on a Sunday morning. Even, even, even maybe around this room on a Sunday morning. And we can notice differences among us. Like social class, economic class, school, community, sports teams, families, appearances, where, where others sit, what they wear, how they worship, if they worship, what we sing or what we don't sing, who we pray for. And, and, and any one of these things, what can happen is they can begin to generate in us anything from unease to suspicion to distrust to prejudice and even hostility. And I know that we've gotten really good at keeping some of these things below the surface. We, we, we do it at sunrise. You guys, you guys probably do it here. Okay, the realities of this life lived in community near the cross of Jesus Christ. It doesn't always feel like unity and peace. Oftentimes, the best reality that we can, that we can give is kind of this plastic smile and kind of this, I'm good, how are you? Right? We feel that sometimes. And what's happening today in the church, and it's in, and it's, is this is this very thing that's that's been happening in the church since since the world of the Apostle Paul. Okay, all these barriers, these these perceived barriers that that land between us, these dividing walls of hostility, are keeping those who live far off from the cross of Jesus Christ. It's keeping them far off. Think about that for a minute. They have no idea that unity and peace are realities. Folks, folks in the community, perhaps, have no idea that unity and peace are realities of this life that's lived near the cross of Jesus Christ. They have no idea that proximity matters because sometimes the church doesn't do a great job showing it. I, I know we don't all the time at sunrise. When the truth of this, of this, when, when this truth um, emerged from this text, when, when, when this hit me, okay, honestly, it, it, it wrecked me for a good long bit. It, it just, it, it, it wrecked me. It threw me into kind of this spiral, and, and, and I had no idea that this passage, I, I really didn't know that this passage would kind of spin around and stick a finger in my chest like this necessarily, but I wrestled with how in the world to apply this text. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're just, this is just a small local church in Ferndale, Washington. How in the world are we going to address this global issue of barriers in the church between Christians and, and non-Christians? These barriers that sometimes keep people from the cross of Jesus Christ. How do I do this? And, and so, um, you know what I did? This is going to sound kind of corny, uh, but, but it's, it's the best I could come up with because I'm one person. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm in my office, and I, when I did, as I went, I grabbed this little globe. I've got this small globe. It's not a big globe. It's just a little globe like this, about the size of a volleyball. And I went, and I grabbed this globe, and I set it on my desk, and I put my hands on this globe. And this is kind of corny, but I put my hands on the globe, and I just began to pray. What, 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 else, what else could I do in that moment? This, this reality is pointing me in the chest. And I, so I grabbed this globe, and I just began to pray. 
And I prayed for the church. I prayed for the body of Christ around the world. And, and I began to point to different regions of, of the world. And, 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 and I kind of zoomed in on the United States. And I tried to point different states and tried to get really close, little pinpoints in Whatcom County here. And I just tried to pray for barriers of, of, of race and gender and socioeconomic status to just begin to crumble. I, I began to pray for the confusion of, of denominational boundaries to, to, to crumble. I began to pray for the tensions within families and the prejudices that, that, that crop up in churches to just, to just begin to crumble. So that those who are far off may be brought near to the cross by the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, isn't, that, isn't that what we want? Don't we? Like you think about your neighbor for a minute. Think about the people who live next to you or two doors down from you. Don't, don't you want them near the cross of Jesus Christ? Look back at verse 14 in the, in the text. It says, um, He Himself... And that repetition is meant for emphasis. He, Himself, Christ alone is our peace. That's, that's the promise that the Jews were looking forward to. And, and here is what this man, who is peace, has done. And this is the gospel of peace right here. Okay, Three things. If, if we look at it, we find him in the text. He's done these three things. He has made the two, one... He has broken down, that's number one. Number two is this, he's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility that's rooted in our flesh. That's sin, just by the way, okay? That's, I'll give that secret away. That's sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us, okay? That's number two. The, second, the third thing is this. And he abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Now, you got to notice Paul's qualification there, right? Jesus Christ did not abolish the law, period. You need to be very careful with that. We know that from Matthew chapter 5 that he fulfilled the law, in particularly the moral requirements of the law. He was perfect, did not sin. Okay? So he fulfilled the law. Here, Paul says that he abolished or he made ineffective, powerless, all right, like unplugging the toaster, no power. He abolished um, the part of the law that established this set of regulations excluding Gentiles, okay? Things like circumcision and holy days and food restrictions and stuff like that. Okay, that's what he abolished. Because what was meant, originally those things were beautiful. They were meant as this instrument to separate God's people, to separate this chosen people from the rest of the world. Okay, do these things. Eat this, do this, um, recognize these days. They were meant to separate. What happened is that they became, instead of this instrument of separation, they became these instruments of division. And Jesus Christ... Abolish these things, this hostile barrier. Jesus abolished those laws that were associated with ceremony, not morality. 
Okay, just to be clear on that one. So these three things he did for these two purposes. Look there, right in the middle of verse 15 in the text. Two purposes. Um, He had two things in mind. Jesus Christ had two things in mind in doing what he was doing. To create in himself, Jesus Christ, one new man, making unity and peace between men among humankind. Okay? So he's restoring, he's mending, he's healing, etc. Okay? You might call this the, the horizontal purpose of the gospel of peace. Relationships would be reconciled. People would be brought back together in unity and peace. And the second thing, the second purpose was this, to reconcile this new man to God, to restore what's been broken, namely the relationship between God and humankind. Okay? You might call this the vertical purpose of the gospel of peace. Right? All this through the cross of Jesus Christ. All right? So do you see there that unity and peace become these realities of this life that's lived near the cross of Jesus Christ. Unity and peace become the realities that we, as the body of Christ, experience and enjoy. Paul says that he came and he preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. Okay? And, and, and we're in there. You and I this morning, we're in there. We, we fall in the category of those who are far off. Jesus Christ has been preaching the gospel of peace through his people to those far and near for centuries. And here we sit. We're in there. We're we're, we're in this text. Paul says that through Christ Jesus, we both, Jew and Gentile, male and female, black and white, rich and poor, go right down the list of all the dividing barriers. We both have access to the Father in one spirit. We can be here together. Unity and peace are realities of a life that's lived in community near the cross of Jesus Christ because the cross of Jesus Christ has an unmitigated way of leveling the ground that we worship on. The cross of Jesus Christ has an unmitigated way of leveling the ground we worship on. Paul continues in our text, heading towards the conclusion here. Expanding on this community part. Notice in verse 19 how he reverses what he said back in verse 12. Back in verse 12 he says, we remember that we were aliens and strangers, but now in verse 19 he says, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we're no longer strangers and aliens. Rather, Paul says, we are collectively fellow citizens and members of God's household. We belong in the kingdom, and we belong at the king's table. Okay, so Paul's getting out there. Paul has used building metaphors before. It's about as timeless of an illustration as they come. And you and I, um, you and I are the building materials. Paul, uh, Peter actually helps us catch this vision in, in, in 1 Peter 2, verse 5. Okay, Paul uses the same imagery here um, when he says we're a holy temple. Okay. Collectively, as a community, a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. And this is no uncertain place to be, for under our feet, 
is the solid foundation of the gospel of peace that's laid by those in the New Testament who were sent and those who proclaimed. Okay, Paul's very quick to assure us the apostles and the prophets that have gone before us established a well-footed foundation, all of which has been created and established by Jesus Christ. And I love that Paul uses cornerstone imagery here. Jesus Christ is the primary load-bearing stone that determines the lines of the whole building. If you're a builder here, you know how important it is to start plumb, square, and level. Okay? Jesus Christ is that cornerstone. Okay? And you see this community aspect that begins to pop out. We all, along with countless others around the world, are being joined together and built together into this holy place that generates unity and peace. And that's what those who are far off need to see when they're looking in our windows. Okay? Men and women, um, the distance that we maintain with the cross of Jesus Christ is the critical factor, like I said, in our experience and our witness of unity and peace. Because unity and peace are these realities of this life lived in community near the cross of Jesus Christ. And I wonder, I wonder today, are, are you near the cross of Jesus Christ? I mean, as you think through the life that you live, is it characterized by unity and peace? Maybe. Maybe not. Okay, Here's an opportunity to be changed. Here is the gospel of peace in Scripture. It, it, it can be real. Unity and peace can be real. You probably know someone who lives in isolation, loneliness, dismay, chaos. Think about the people you know right now. Think about the people who live a frenzied life discord, conflict, anything else that's contrary to unity and peace. Think about the people you know who are living that. That is their reality. Our reality is unity and peace. Don't you want that to be theirs? Don't we want that? Paul says Christ tore down those barriers so that we can experience unity and peace as realities in this community that lives near the cross of Christ so that those who are far off might look in and realize proximity matters. Proximity matters. Would you pray with me right now? Let's, let's pray just in conclusion here. Father in heaven, so thankful, God Almighty, for your goodness, your mercy. Thankful even more for this unity and this peace that we can experience because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Thankful. Thankful that that can be a reality in this community that we live in as the body of Christ. And God in heaven, I want to pray. I want to pray, God, that, that, that this principle, this reality of unity and peace would be our experience so that those who we love that are far off would recognize, would catch, would see, and be drawn 
through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.